0: everyone, how you doing? This is your host, Richard Carthon, bringing you another episode of the Aftershock. Uh, Steve is enjoying a nice vacation, so he will not be joining today, so I will be holding it down. Um, A lot's happened in the last week. Uh, In last episode, we unpacked the beginning of what was to become the FTX absolute meltdown. And uh, today we're going to be breaking down basically everything that's happened in the last week. Plus, some other fun things that are happening uh, in the metaverse and NFTs and and everything else. So, um, I got an exciting show for you today. It's going to be a little bit shorter and sweeter, but so much to unpack. Uh, It's been a tough week for everyone, but I want to come and just get the information as it is, and we'll kind of take it from there. So, we'll go ahead and kick it off with the Aftershock. The Aftershock. So, we're going to be covering the FTX meltdown, and there is a lot to unpack. So I have to start with a timeline of how everything kind of unfolded. So first up, you're going to notice that on November 2nd, Coindesk shared a report based on leaked balance sheet from um, Alameda. Now the report showed how much of the reserves were based on FTT and it was pretty alarming. So with that, um, you then have what happened next. So on November 6th, you had CZ, um, CEO of Binance, who made the claim that he was planning on pulling out of FTT. Now, that immediately started a, a little feud between CZ and SBF, having heated conversations via Twitter. You can go watch all of that unfold. And again, this is before we were trying to see like how bad potentially is it? And is CZ potentially just putting foot out there? So, didn't take long. Didn't have to wait long. Uh, you look at November 8th, and that is when... Uh, well, actually, we're going to go back another date to November 7th. That is when CZ starts pulling out all the funds and basically saying that they there's a lot going on and it was in the best interest for them to basically pull out all of their FTT. So once that happened, you basically started seeing the price of SBF start to go down. And so once that happened... On November 8th, bailout was offered by Binance. So SBF sent out an apology, Twitter thread saying that uh, Binance was going to help them out and that all of this was uh, going to be cleared up. Everything was going to be hunky-dory. We literally saw in the market, uh, the, the, the market cap shoot down uh, when CZ first talked about this, down um, almost like $50, uh, 50 uh, million dollars, and then like basically go right back up um, as soon as this came out. Now, as this continued to unfold on November 9th, finance pulled out of the deal. And so much happened in this firestorm. So first and foremost, of course, U.S. regulators began investigating FTX. You start to see the price of FTT shoot down. You saw Solana start to shoot down, especially when crypto.com stopped withdrawals of USDC and USDT on the Solana blockchain you had all of these people trying to go to FTX to get their money out and it was just this huge fire sale event where everyone was just trying to go and get their funds so again how do how do we get to this place as you know now Binance basically once they signed the uh, once they did their letter of intent which basically said hey we're we're considering buying your thing but there's no obligations once they bailed out it showed how bad it really was and what's even wilder is that on November 9th just a year before Bitcoin got to its all-time high of $69,000. Bitcoin dropped below 16,000 that day. It got down to like 15,000, I believe 700 or some, something near that, then went back up to above 16,000, but just a year before we got to the all-time high of 69,000. Just how much can happen in a year? And how it can just alter everything that's going on. So you would think, oh no, it, this can't, this this has gotta be as bad as it gets, but no, 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 no. Just just give it time. November 10th, FTS looks for cash and Alameda, uh FTS was looking for cash, so they wouldn't have to file for for bankruptcy. And Alameda research began to fail. And basically, as it begins to 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 fail, um, you were looking around and you were trying to find out how bad were they in the hole? How much money did they really have on their books versus how much were they claiming uh, that they had? So there's a discrepancy. So FTX was seeking around $9.4 billion in rescue funds. So that means they were short $9.4 billion to help them. And you're like, "How how did we even get here? So now not only this, now you're starting to see a lot of news come out on Twitter, unpacking just like how far and and how deep does this go? Was the writing on the wall like how long ago did SBF know that this was a potential issue? So you started seeing a lot of things around how SBF's family is very tied into um, politics. Uh, SBF was one of the largest contributors to the Democratic Party. Um, how they were taking basically funds they were receiving from retailers and then floating it to Alameda and Alameda would then send them money back and they'd rinse repeat. And that's not a good look. So then as things potentially couldn't get worse, they found a way on November 11th, FTX files for bankruptcy and Bankman free steps down. He was worth 16 billion with a B. 16 billion dollars. And I believe over the course of 48 hours, he was virtually worth nothing. This was a company, FTX was a company that was leading the charge on crypto regulations. That was, again, significantly investing in the space from their commercials to um if you watched any MLB game, you saw that they were. FTX logo was everywhere on uniforms and everywhere else. They owned an arena in Miami. Miami's getting ready to give that up. They were sponsoring an um, Mercedes-Benz for the F1. That's now been revoked. Just They just raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And all of those investors lost everything. As soon as this bankruptcy happened, they, they lost all of it. And like not only is that like a, a gun punch to everyone, your everyday retailer that was involved in this, it has even more l- like lasting effects that haven't even been felt yet. There's more shockwaves that are gonna come. One shockwave that came up was BlockFi. BlockFi ended up freezing and halting all withdrawals. And what's even wilder about this was that. And, and why you could potentially see that happening. FTX promised X amount of money and recovery funds to BlockFi once things got bad when the uh, Three Arrows Capital and and Terra Luna crash happened. Now that that money's not coming through anymore, they basically have to freeze operations. They've been sending out messages saying that they found out the same way via Twitter how bad FTX was in the hole and how bad things really were. And it's really unfortunate to find out via Twitter how how bad something is and how this is impacting not only your livelihood, but potential future career as well. So now, in case you just thought like, oh, you know, what's next? So then we get into all withdrawals are being stopped on um on, on November 12th. And and why is that happening? Because FTX gets hacked. And customer funds go missing. There's estimated $600 million go missing. A.K.A. were taken away. And just adding fuel to the fire again. They, they were looking for $9.4 billion in rescue funds. Add $600 billion on top of that. That's $10 billion. How did we get here? How there's so many more questions than answers. And a lot of people are trying to unpack and just figure out how it got this bad this quickly. Uh, this is one of the, I mean, this is, we're we're talking Enron level, Mount Gox level largest just upheavals in, and just such bad use of, of funds that, There's got to be something that comes out of this from a regulatory standpoint. SBF is probably going to get some sort of like fraudulent something that that gets packed on him and all the people that were involved. This is probably going to put the industry back a lot further than what the bear market was on track to do. You got to think about... All of the impact of the money that they were able to fundraise, use, looked as a place of legitimacy, and then all of that legitimacy vanquished in a week. And right now, people are, are left to try to pick up the pieces. I am confident that in the long run, we will come out on the other side of this. I feel like this is going to be a massive lesson for the future of other exchanges that are having to deal with things. I mean, even looking right now, Crypto.com might be in trouble. Um with what they have going on, a lot of money going and doing their withdrawals. There's there's probably gonna be some other exchanges that have challenges as well. Like I I don't think we've seen we've seen the end of all of the aftermath that this is gonna set up for for FTX and and into the greater crypto markets. And I think we're probably gonna be an extended bear because of it. But I still think we'll get on the other side of this. I I still think there's enough. Fundamental evidence that shows that the future is in blockchain. There are a lot of good things here. This just really hurts right now in this moment. This is tough. This is not only tough for myself. This is tough for a, a tremendous amount of other people. And it's tough for companies that are directly impacted by FTX. I mean, you've seen numerous companies that have come out and made positions on, hey, we had no exposure, or hey, we had X amount exposure, or there's there's even some funds right now that had a lot of exposure to FTX. And just took a massive hit, and again, those are funds. Those that's that's people's money. There's a lot of money that got lost in all of this, and uh, I, th- I think unfortunately there's still going to be more to come. But this was absolutely a devastating hit to the crypto industry, and um, I'm optimistic about where we head from here. But I I think we're going to see a little bit more pain, and unfortunately, I think we're probably going to be covering that in the coming weeks, heading into the end of the year. So. More to come. Sorry, I had to kind of break all this down just for all those uh, who aren't completely keeping up, but hopefully this gets you up to speed and gets you aware of things that are most likely to come. So um, that's going to wrap up what we three lightning round we're now going to head into last week in the metaverse for a little bit better news, a little bit more uh, happier news. Got to Got to bring up some of the good with the bad, but well, we'll we'll get into it now. So Visa launched its first uh, NFT auction and ironically they did this in conjunction with uh, crypto.com. So basically um they are using the Visa Masters movement um which is a it's a, a service that features pre-event uh, NFTs for auction and this is for the FIFA World Cup. So you're starting to see a lot of uh, cool NFT Opportunities coming up that are being done in conjunction uh, with the World Cup that is coming up real soon. Uh, I know I'm personally watching it and I'm excited to see uh, USA go as far as they can. OpenSea is launching a compartment detection system. Uh, They announced that, uh, I believe, in uh, late October, I think October 31st. But we're really starting to see uh, a lot of those features really start to be rolled out. Um, What's interesting about this? is that basically uh, if someone tries to mint and I, uh, some, a replica of an NFT that matches, uh, whether they like flipped it or they did like a fuzzy copy or, or whatever it is, um, they can detect it within seconds of the mint. So this is just going to help a lot of the creators uh, to keep them safe and to also catch you know fraudulent behavior as well. Reddit's NFT trading volume... Uh, it passed ten million. Uh, again, this is really awesome to to see just how much and what can happen when you have a lot of audience behind you and you give them the tools to be able to participate in, in Web three. The Reddit community is very strong, uh, continues to grow, and they 're continuing to onboard people into the um, people from Web two over into the Web3 space. I think their numbers are going to continue to go up. And even during this bear market, I think we, we are going to continue to see Reddit really pushing the NFT marketplace forward. So the next headline that we're going to be talking about today is Manchester United. It's launching its first digital collectible um, in its Web3 community. And this is all going to be done via the, Tez- the Tezos blockchain. So Tezos, uh, if you can, if for all those who are listening, uh, if you ever want to go check it out on our YouTube and look at some of the visuals that we put with uh, the the slideshow presentation that we're doing. Um, you can see that Tezos has his logo on top of um, Man U's, uh jerseys. So Tezos is definitely trying to get its name out there a little bit more, trying to get a lot more recognition. And it's really cool to see that they are, you know, continuing to expand their NFT marketplace and collectibles. Um, and they're, they're, they're building it, um, using uh, ManU. Uh, They're getting a lot of attention, a lot of star power over there. So I think it's it's nothing but helping the Tezos ecosystem. Um, I really re- was into the Tezos ecosystem. Um, I've recently uh, stepped away from, from being as um, optimistic just because I feel like they've been in the space for a while and have been doing the right things, getting really good partnerships, but haven't been doing enough for the Pure like marketing and getting people on that, they're starting to do that now. Like this is this is huge news to me, and I, I think there's continue to make tremendous partnerships that's going to elevate uh, their 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 brand and their partnerships and and branding to get more in, in front of your everyday retail uh, user. So I think this is really cool and excited to see how they continue to progress. Then the final story: FIFA and Upland Metaverse is going to bring the World Cup to virtual reality. I think this is really unique that people are, are starting to have the real life virtual reality experience in real time with different avenues. Um, I think being able to do it through the FIFA World Cup is going to be an amazing case study. I think how this performs will be able to translate into other um, professions, whether that's through the NFL, NBA, uh, MLB. And to like virtually feel like, you know, you're in the, the stands or maybe on the, on the front row or wherever it is and be able to watch the whole thing. Um, and, and, it, and like by potentially hearing like the, the home crowd and like what's going on from the announcers and everything else and being able to like move your head and like see what's happening like that sounds really awesome to me. So I'm excited to see how that like plays out and like what new elements that brings because I know I think it'd be really cool. Uh to watch not only soccer games but potentially like football games and virtual reality and like feeling like you're in the stadium even if you aren't there so um, looking forward to to checking and seeing what that looks like. But again, I know this was um, a more uh, short and sweet version of the aftershock, but nonetheless a lot of content to unpack um, This was a tough last week. And I know I've said and emphasized that enough times during the course of this conversation, but I do want to emphasize that we have been through bear markets before. We have seen a lot of fundamental changes and how the crypto markets are improving, but we still have a lot of growing pains. And part of those growing pains, unfortunately, is dealing with the aftermath of bad business decisions and through those bad business decisions, the rest of the the community has to endure it. And although this is painful, this is ultimately gonna make the industry stronger, I believe, and it's gonna get us closer to regulation that needs to happen at this point and provides clear guidelines so that not only can people remain safer, uh, that if things go wrong, people can be held accountable, things can be transparent as they were in this designed to be and the industry can continue to to move forward so th- these are some big steps back but i do believe once uh, the dust settles once we get our foot in back we can move back in the right direction but i do think that uh this is just the beginning of of more pain to come unfortunately but uh, wag me we're all going to make it um this is just a really tough moment and um if For all the information that you want to get, please keep joining us over at the Aftershock. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter at Richard Carthon. Uh, you can follow Cryptocurrency Twitter at uh, underscore Cryptocurrent underscore. You can go check out our website at crypto-current.co. Follow all our other social channels. And uh, if you like what we're saying, or if you have any opinions, feel free to share them with us. If there's news that you want to hear more about and you want us to cover it, go drop a comment. Um, we always appreciate the feedback. And... um always enjoy you spending some time with us. So as always, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's Aftershock, and I hope everyone listening stays CryptoCurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions.